This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. It is a Tuesday drive where it's not all bad for the Carolina Panthers. I'll tell you who's been the bright spot for the team in just a bit. But we've got to start here with the breaking news of the day. Shortly after 3 o'clock today, just five hours or so before the Holiday Bowl was supposed to kick off, NC State was informed UCLA has had COVID positives that left its defensive line room decimated. They are unable to play tonight. Thus, the Holiday Bowl is canceled. Heartbroken for NC State, which had the opportunity for a little bit of history tonight. The fans who traveled a very expensive trip to get out to San Diego for this game. Those who spent their holiday out west when they could have been with their families. It really has been the story for NC State this year. COVID has been unkind to the Wolfpack. No school in the country has been hit worse by COVID than NC State, at least from a competitive standpoint. Let's not forget, it's very hard to forget, they lost a chance to win the national championship back in June. They were two wins away. Had to lose twice in the College World Series to be eliminated. Nobody was in a better position than NC State was back in Omaha, but then the morning they were supposed to play Vanderbilt, they were struck with COVID cases, and they still were able to field a team that fought its guts out only to learn at midnight later on that evening they won't be allowed to compete any longer. They left not by their own play on the field, They lost a chance for a national championship, but at least they were at fault. We understood at that time pretty clearly NC State was at a competitive disadvantage for not being a vaccinated team. Vanderbilt was completely vaccinated, which means they weren't subjected to testing while being in Omaha. NC State was largely unvaccinated, so they were subjected to test, which means they kind of got what came their way, the risk that they took being unvaccinated in Omaha, but that should have taught everybody in college sports or in sports altogether a lesson. Being vaccinated gives your team an advantage. Apparently, based on reports, UCLA only was tested in the last 24 hours because of unvaccinated players on the team. The vaccinated guys weren't the ones tested in the last 24 hours unless it was just symptoms that arose. In that situation, you would then test positive players if they had symptoms. NC State paid the price again, but didn't do anything wrong this time. They were ready to play. It's less than five hours before kick. They are a fully vaccinated team learning from the lesson that Elliott Avent's team learned the hard way. And yet, they pay the price. They pay the price again. They don't have a shot at a 10-win season. 
It would have been the second 10-win season in the history of NC State football. But it caps what's been a painful year for the Pack. Think about everything that's happened with Wolfpack Athletics this year, at least among the major revenue-generating sports. In baseball, you obviously lose that chance at a national title. In football, you beat Clemson. You finally get over that hurdle only to have Wake Forest go to the ACC championship instead of you. You lose that game in Winston-Salem. Basketball, you're hoping to be an NCAA tournament team because the ACC seems to be down. North Carolina's breaking in a new head coach. State fans have been waiting for this for a long time. What does the ACC look like without Roy Williams on the sideline? This is your chance to jump in and maybe make up some ground, and you have your worst team we've seen in the last 10 years, and a lot of that's due to bad luck. Mandy Bates gets hurt in the opener, one of the most important players to anybody's team in the Atlantic Coast Conference. So NC State... Instead of being a potential NCAA tournament team opportunistic in a down year for the conference, one of the worst teams in a down year. And it just so happens right after you get a positive ruling from the NCAA that does not include a postseason ban, a final ruling on Mark Gottfried and Dennis Smith, that entire case, the Adidas trial. It's been a painful year for the pack. No school in the country, has been hit worse than NC State. Dave Doran said after the Clemson game that the curse was broken. The curse was broken, NC State fans. Turns out that was not the case. NC State stuff is very much alive and well. We learned yet again today. On Twitter, at WSJS Sports, if you want in, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. As I mentioned, after starting 3-0, this season's been a nothing short of a nightmare for Matt Rule and the Panthers. But it hasn't all been bad. Because pretty quietly, DJ Moore's become one of the more underrated players in the NFL. And at that position, it's pretty hard to be tagged, air quote, underrated. There's no position in that sport that's more overflated than receiver. In terms of the value of the position, I don't think it's a coincidence that the teams that pay the most for wide receivers turn out not to be the teams that are competing for Super Bowls. They're like sports cars. Like, you know, paying for a wide receiver when you don't have a quarterback on a rookie deal just seems to be bad finances on your part and how you manage your organization or manage your home. <laughs> It's hard to undervalue that position. We have fantasy football. These are the guys scoring touchdowns. They're flashy. They're stars. Odell Beckham Jr. can be a star, even though the Giants haven't been any good when he was playing for them. A guy like Julio Jones can waste away at Atlanta every year but one and still be seen as one of the best guys in the sport because, you know, that position draws a lot of attention. And I think it's disrespectful that DJ Moore doesn't get any consideration when any of these lists are put out talking about 
top five, top ten wide receivers in the NFL. Now, I don't pay attention to a lot of lists. I really don't. But there is one that I do give credence to. Every summer, they put out the NFL 100 list. This is voted on by the players. So your peers are the ones voting who the top 100 are. And they have this long presentation that's played out the entire time. And a hundred players were listed. None of them named DJ Moore, which would be fine if there weren't a lot of wide receivers on the list. But the NFL 100 included 20 wide receivers. A fifth of the NFL's top 100 players, wide receivers. And DJ Moore was not one of the top 20 wide receivers. Cole Beasley's on that list. Corey Davis is on that list. And the numbers say that DJ probably should be included in that group. That he is an elite receiver. He now has, with two games left to go in the season, a thousand receiving yards for the third straight year. Only three other players can say that. Active guys. Stephon Diggs, Travis Kelsey, Tyler Lockett. All three of those guys have quarterbacks that are ranked in the top 12 of that NFL 100 list. Patrick Mahomes, who's number one on the list. Josh Allen, who's in the top 10. And Russell Wilson, who comes in at number 12. Who's DJ had throwing him the football the last three seasons? Uh, Some combination of banged-up Cam... Kyle Allen, Will Greer, P.J. Walker, and Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, and Sam Darnold, too. How could you forget about him? The numbers say that D.J. is an elite receiver, which is why I expect Carolina to get an extension done at some point this offseason. He's going into the fifth-year option year of his rookie deal. Pay him. He's earned it. He's an elite player. He's been a bright spot for Carolina this season. Now, when I pitched this to Robert earlier, he disagreed with this. He didn't think that DJ Moore was a top 10 receiver. So I challenged him to put together a list with 10 guys he thinks are better than DJ Moore. Have you been successful in picking out a list, 10 guys who are better than him? I have 18 guys I would rather have over DJ Moore. And the the 18th guy is who I think is the real most underrated receiver in the NFL. All right, who's the 18th guy? Uh, the eight two, These are in no specific order. These are just me naming because oh, gotcha. I, you can't look at stats and see a lot of them come up because some of them didn't play. But top to bottom, I would have Devontae Adams, okay. Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill. That's five. Yeah. Uh, Michael Thomas didn't play this year. I would take Michael Thomas over him. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, uh, Jamar Chase. That's 10. I, I still don't know if I would take Lockett just because of his age and he's how old he's been. Well, DJ Moore, I think, is a little younger. Yeah, he's 24, but I, I we're, ta- we're not talking about building. We're just saying you. the receivers. Guys who are we're better, better right now. Here. All right, that's your 10. Who's else? Who uh, else next up, we've got C.D. Lamb. Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Pittman. That's 15. Michael Pittman over DJ Moore. Yeah. Look at his his numbers this year. And we throw the word elite around. Well, isn't DJ's numbers better than Michael Pittman's numbers? I I wouldn't say so, no. But I I haven't got to look at it. We don't really have the time. But I will pull it up, and I'll put them side by side. Uh, DK Metcalf Mm -hmm. and the guy that I think is the most underrated receiver, Terry McLaurin who has like had worse Terry. quarterback play. Uh, he's had Case Keenum. Uh, who's the the rookie that's on the Steelers now? 
uh, or not a rookie, but he was drafted 16, 17 overall. Haskins. Yeah. And a broken Fitzpatrick he never got to play with Heineke. and Taylor Heineke. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take all those guys over DJ Moore. I would push back on a handful of those. I respect that you put together the list, but I think also a couple of these things can be true. Just because you don't think that he is... You just named 18 guys who are better. The NFL 100 had 20 in the top 100. So we could still agree, even if you don't agree he's a top 10 receiver. We could still agree that DJ Moore... We could still agree that DJ Moore is an underrated receiver. I... I would say he's properly rated. I would not put him as underrated, and I would definitely not label him as elite. I called the Chamber of Doughy Pale Bodies, and they said you're their president. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. So by now, you're already aware of what the big news of the day is. NC State UCLA canceled tonight a little bit more than four hours before kick when the game was supposed to kick off. We have this statement now from UCLA AD Martin Jarman, who I will note from the Triangle, not too far from NC State's campus. I think he's a Garner guy. He says in a statement, we are extremely grateful to the Holiday Bowl students, fans, sponsors, and the people of San Diego for their support this week. We're deeply disappointed for our young men in the football program that worked extremely hard for this opportunity. My heart goes out to them. The health and safety of our students will always be our North Star. Our North Star and getting some good information, Luke DeCock, who has his feet on the ground in San Diego, flew out there for a bowl game that isn't going to happen, it seems like right now, from the News and Observer on Twitter, at Luke Tecock, newsobserver.com. You could read his stuff. Luke, when did you first start to get wind that this might be a possibility? It, it, you know, it all it is all happened in the last half hour. Um, and even this morning, uh, you know, this was, we, we were all systems go. I, I ran into a friend who works for UCLA, and we walked, and they were ready to play tonight at that point. And uh, talked to some NC State people this morning. Had a long talk with them. They were ready to roll. Everything was all systems go. And then this this kind of uh, you know dropped like a bomb on everybody. Uh, while the news broke, uh, UCLA's band was playing a reception for UCLA fans and families and boosters right below my window. So uh, and, and literally the moment that it all happened, it started the clouds rolled in, it started raining. So it's all very cosmic uh, here in San Diego. But, you know, obviously the fourth ACC Bowl to get canceled uh, at the very last minute this time. Uh, UCLA had COVID issues before they left L.A. Uh, they thought they were through them. Uh, and, and, and obviously there was, there was more testing done while they were here that uh, left them unable to play, apparently because of their, their defensive line. And Martin Jarman, who, he's from Fayetteville. Fayetteville. Uh, his, dad lives in, his dad lives in Raleigh. He played basketball at UNC Wilmington. Um, I know him reasonable, reasonably well, and, and, you know, he texted me and said, my heart breaks for our guys. Obviously, from NC State side, you know, they're even more heartbroken because they were ready to play. Uh, they were ready to go. They were, they were trying for the second 10-win season in school history. They've had a great week out here. Uh, they wanted it to be a springboard to next season, uh, and, and they were ready, you know, and guys like uh, Iki Okonkwu, and, and, and this was going to be their last game. The joy they had walking out on the field at Petco Park yesterday was, was palpable. You could see it. You could feel it. Uh, and now that's all been taken away. And they're going to be in their team hotel 
presumably tonight. I assume they'll still fly out tomorrow morning. Uh, it's going to be a grim evening here in San Diego, not just because uh, of the weather. It's, 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 it's heartbreaking. It's uh, disappointing uh, for NC State. I'm sure it's extremely frustrating. Uh, it is just a, a, a difficult day, but it's also the way of the world in 2021. As, as we said during the ACC tournament last year, COVID was the top seed, it knocked Duke and Virginia out, and now it's it's wreaking havoc on bowl season. And, and NC State, unfortunately, has lost a chance to, to put really a cherry on top of what's been a remarkable two years, not just this year, uh, where they didn't quite do what they wanted to do, but certainly had a, a great season. And last year, where they probably didn't get the credit that they deserved, and, and I've been critical of Dave Doran, obviously, but I thought he did a tremendous job navigating very difficult COVID issues that NC State had, especially in training camp, and, and having a productive season. Their bowl experience last year, I, you know, I don't want to say it was terrible, but it was basically a road game, as Doran said yesterday. They flew into Jacksonville, played the game, flew out. This week, they've done amazing things. They went on a Navy ship. They fed rhinos at the zoo. They train dolphins at SeaWorld. You know, they've really enjoyed this experience. It's an old-school, traditional bowl experience. San Diego does a great job. They loved having an ACC team here for the first time, and now it's just it's all been washed away. Luke DeCock with us here from San Diego talking about the cancellation of the Holiday Bowl between NC State and UCLA tonight. I think there's a misconception with with the testing protocols there are some that believe that it's the same testing protocols as last year that is not true they're only most programs actually i'd be interested to know if you know if there is some distinction between the way ucla tests and nc state tests but my understanding is the only they're only testing unvaccinated players symptomatic or close contacts so it is a different protocol than what we saw last year but do you know Anything more than that about the way UCLA tests in comparison to yeah, NC State? Yeah, yeah, it's, it, 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 it all fits. You know, NC State is fully vaccinated, so they are under a different testing protocol as long as nobody's symptomatic. Uh, UCLA has unvaccinated players. And so when you get into a COVID situation, if anyone's symptomatic, uh, if any unvaccinated players are retested, uh, they're under a different testing regime because of that. So they got caught up in this. And, you know, it's, it's the same lesson uh, that NC State should have taught people during the College World Series. It is a competitive advantage to be vaccinated. Unfortunately, in this case, the team that really pays the price is NC State. So it's kind of a double whammy that way yeah. uh, for the Wolfpack. It's it's unbelievable the type of year that NC State has had. So there aren't any options for NC State at this point, are there? No, I mean, it's they're they're here. Their players are all scheduled to, you know, Move, go on. Some of them go on with their lives when they get back to Raleigh. Uh, I, I don't think, and we'll obviously this. You know, this has happened in the last half hour. I, I you know, they're, we're going to find out in the next twenty minutes, half hour, as we as we get over and talk to the NC State people whether there are options or they maybe they go play Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl and tell Rutgers <laughs> to stay home. Uh, my suspicion is, given the finances involved, and, and it is expensive coming out here. You know, NC State had to charter three different planes to get everyone out here, two for the team and one for the band. Uh, I, I, I think it's very unlikely that unless there was some sort of major issue uh, and, and sort of financial recompense available that NC State would play. But we'll know more about that shortly. You know, this is a, a breaking story. And, and, and quite frankly, I, I shouldn't be shocked by anything during COVID. But based on my conversations this morning, 
and you know, I'm, I'm staying in the same hotel as UCLA. They were on their pregame routine at 10 a.m. this morning, 9 a.m. this morning, Pacific time. Like they were, they, they were ready. They were at that point ready to go. And obviously now they are not. So we shouldn't be shocked at this point in 20, December 2021. We've been dealing with this for 21 months. I shouldn't be shocked. I am actually shocked. I, I thought we, I thought we were over the line. Luke DeCock with us here, very kind with his time amid a breaking story. The last thing I have for you, I know it's very raw and the news is breaking, but a nine-win season for Dave Doran, how do you think this season is going to be remembered in terms of the success that the Wolfpack enjoyed but ultimately didn't end up getting them to Charlotte? I, you know, I think it's, as I said, it's, a, it's been a two-year process for this team. There's a lot of optimism for next year. They have a lot of players coming back, uh, good players. Devin Leary, Grant Gibson, uh, Drake Thomas, um, you know, uh, like, like key players are coming. Isaiah Moore, that key, key players coming back next year. Expectations are going to be really high for this NC State team next year. But that's also why this bowl game was so important to them. They really wanted uh, to, 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 to go forward with this use this as a not just an end but a beginning um and that's really the shame of it for nc state luke we'll be following your stuff on twitter at luke decock newsobserver.com enjoy i was gonna say enjoy a football game but enjoy san diego rainy san diego until you gotta fly home yeah it's uh it's not what we were expecting uh as of an hour ago um ucla's band woke me up from a pregame nap and (laughs) Now we're going to be working and grinding and, 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 and rolling through this and figuring out what happens next. So, Thanks so much for A different for the time. kind of day than it was a couple hours ago. Appreciate the time, Luke. Thanks, Josh. Take there care. Goes. That's Luke DeCock joining us from San Diego. This really is surprising. Robert, what, what's your reaction to this? Dang. A lot of people got a free work trip. Yeah. That is the plus of everything. It's a different feeling if the Birmingham Bowl gets canceled five hours before than, say, the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. Like, we saw the story, like, did you follow this, where the Memphis football team was set to play Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl, and then Hawaii, after they arrived, decided they're not going to play anymore? I heard folks say, they had to spend Christmas in Hawaii! Terrible. Awful. In all seriousness, they want to play ball. They've been preparing for this opportunity. It's not great, but there are worse places you could be spending the last few days. I think only two or three guys on the team had ever been to California, and you get to hang out at SeaWorld and hang out at the San Diego Zoo, hang out in California for a few days. But heartbroken that State won't get the opportunity to play one more time this season. Let's get to this uh, Rob Robbie Anderson sound, because yesterday... He came to the defense of Sam Darnold and had some pointed shots towards Carolina Panther fans booing him when he stepped on the field. One thing I didn't like, and it's just what it is, like Sam came on the field and they booed him. Like, that's that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, he's doing all he can and has done all he can. He obviously made mistakes, and we all do. But when he was doing good, two plays later, he'd make a big play. They cheering for him. Like, that's not real fans, you know what I'm saying? And for the culture that we build, and we don't want no fake fans. We want diehard, loyal fans that's going to ride or die for us. Simple as that. I think Robbie Anderson's right on that point. Yeah, they should have booed him after he had a great play. <laughs> Keep that same energy. 
<laughs> no, that that part I'll agree. I'll push back at saying that. Yeah, of course they're going to cheer when it's a great play, but booing Sam when he stepped out on the field hasn't played since November seventh. That doesn't really seem like the right thing to do. And one of my favorite columns that somebody wrote is by our mutual friend Nate Summers in Eastern North Carolina, Heisman voter, followed cover college football for a long time, and. I remember he wrote this story about fans lambasting this ECU kicker that missed a ton of kicks during a bowl game, saying that War, this guy's was it terrible. Warren Harvey because he got everything he deserved. That no, g- Ben Hartman was okay, the kicker cool. in 2009. If you can boo Warren Harvey. Right. But the larger point that was made, and it's such a great point, many of these people that are booing once upon a time would say, hey, that's our team. That's us. We won. That's us. They play us. We're part of the team. Well, when guys on the team don't perform well, do you know what teammates do? They stand behind their guy. They lift them up. They don't just boo them. So fans, on the other hand, when somebody performs terribly, oh, that guy's terrible. Get him out of here. Boo! Boo! The we the team folks. It's we the team until you don't do what I like which is not how teams generally work. And now, The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Oh, what a surprise. Darren Vaught, not on the phone, able to pop into the studio on his way out of town with High Point Basketball. Big week for the Panthers. Tubby's group's going to Michigan State tomorrow, then going to be visiting Kentucky at Rupp Arena on Friday. Tubby going to be honored there on New Year's Eve. A massive week for the High Point Panthers. Which road trip are you more excited for, visiting East Lansing or visiting Lexington? It's a tough question to answer, right? I mean, I think either could constitute as as like a, a bucket list item for someone to call a game. Um, I'm, I'm not looking past Michigan state already because I think that's going to be fun, Uh, but Rupp arena, new year's Eve, Tubby's name is going up in the rafters. I mean, like I just, I, what's not to love about that. I'm so excited about it. And both of these are really good teams. It's number 10, Michigan state, number 18, Kentucky, like Kentucky is ranked a lot higher in Kim Palm. Yeah. So. So, um, so I'm going to see a couple of really good teams. High points going to have another chance to maybe pull off. A road power five upset. They're yet to do that in their division one history. Came within single digits at Notre Dame earlier this year. So um, it should be it should be a fun trip. There are two schools in the state of North Carolina and D1 that have never been to the NCAA tournament. High Point and Elon. The school that Darren does play-by-play for and the school that Darren owns a degree from. So there's nobody in the state of North Carolina, I think, that's rooting more for one of those two runs to end than the guy I'm currently talking to in studio. Yeah, uh, and personally, obviously selfishly, I want to go to the NCAA tournament and call high point men's basketball there. I I also want Tubby Smith to get a sixth team to the tournament, which would put him in sole possession of an NCAA record for the most programs he's taken to the tournament. and it's his alma mater. Like, so cool. it, it would be it would be the perfect, perfect storybook uh, scenario for Tubby. Whether 
you know, I've had people speculate whether or not it's his last year, that sort of thing, and and he hasn't said anything otherwise. He's actually maybe detracted from that more so than ever because now that the pandemic's, you know, the p- pandemic season is is over and it's a little bit more normal for him. He's he's kind of like, man, I don't know what I would do without coaches. So he might just do it until he can't physically anymore. It would be a great storybook type of year if that were to happen. High Point coming off the win against FAU last week. They're 7 and 6 and how fitting would it be if that happens? That type of history at his alma mater the year the season after coach Steele passed away earlier this year. While we have you here, let's knock out some unusual questions. Why don't we? Last week, guys, everybody made it out that I got mad at Josh and I left the press conference. That's not right. I thought it was an unusual question, and it's okay. It's time for Unusual Questions with Josh Graham. And since Robert says that I usually just outsource my teases to him or Nick when he's in here, I'll start with this. What's your go-to movie theater snack? I've been to four movies in the last month including one with you went to go see king richard last month saw west side story a few weeks back seen the new spider-man did not not a big comic book guy but i do like spider-man i went to see it excellent excellent nightmare alley in charlottesville last week and then a couple days back I went to watch Licorice Pizza on Christmas Day. Ooh, that's on my list. I need you need to, to see check that. that out. You'd really like it. Robert's seen it as well. What's your go-to movie theater snack? I think I got these when we saw King Richard. I'm a Sour Patch Kids guy. So you're sour slash sweet over chocolate if you're going candy. Yeah. There was a time in my life where I would do, you know, the um, chocolate chip cookie dough bites? That would That would have been my go-to for a stretch of time. Robert, how about you? I mean, we're talking other than popcorn, right? Because I feel like everybody gets popcorn when they go to the movies. I don't get popcorn when I go to well, the movies. Well, that does not surprise me because you are possibly the weirdest individual I've ever had the conversation <laughs> Darren, with. Darren, so. do you get popcorn when I you go don't. To the I also typically, admittedly, typically don't eat anything at the movie theater. I just, I, I'll, I'm totally comfortable just going to see the movie and that's it. Nah, I, if you're going to the movie theater, got to get the big ass soda and you got to get, uh, some candy, and that's what I do. And I always sneak the candy in. I never buy the candy at the register. No, oh, you got to support these local movie theaters, Josh. I thought that was your whole Christmas thing. <laughs> these movie theaters are going to go under if you don't buy their, buy their overpriced so candy. So is the and Dollar snacks. Tree, okay, Robbie? That's a, that's a franchise, Darren. That's a franchise, and they're raising their prices too. So honestly, I'm not buying any candy from them either. Sour Patch Kids in the back pocket. That's what I did at Licorice Pizza three days ago. Nice, nice. For me, it's probably what I have in studio here right now. The sour, big, chewy nerds candy. But, like, that's not even a classic thing. Yeah, that's what's, okay. what's your go-to that, movie theater that, snack? Nah. Oh, this that obscure candy <laughs> that j- that's only available this, in certain this gas thing, stations. This, this very specific nerds product this was thing, put on shelves like a week ago. That's this not thing, your go-to. My go-to. Is going to- <laughs> I've been having this all year long. Every Me time I B-Dot, watch a movie. I, I, I hooked B-Dot up with some of these last year. These things, they're about to take over the world, y'all. You bought... No, no, no. Okay. This is this is maybe legit. Robert, I went to a Canes game in the preseason uh-huh. with Josh. Yep. And he bought those. They've got like the little market on the concourse, which is great if you're, if you're like, you know, some people aren't beer drinkers and you can go in and get a soda and that sort of thing and... 
They've got like snacks, and that is the exact product now that I'm seeing it. That's the exact product that you got at PNC Arena at a Kane's Josh game. Josh is too. holding it up as if branding is possible here. <laughs> Sour. Hey, everybody, that <laughs> visual format here. Didn't you used to love to hit me with that? Josh is holding it up for the crowd to see. Great radio. Let them know the ca- the caloric intake on the back. <laughs> How many are you supposed to eat? Jesus Christ. 200, I'm looking at this, sour, big, chewy nerds, 283 grams of sugar, but... In the cake? In the package? In the package. Yeah, that's a lot. I, this is uh, going to take over the world one day. What is your unusual question, Robert? Uh, do bald people get dandruff? Because, like, I know a bunch of bald people, <laughs> and, like, their heads are always, like, so sleek and shiny, but, like... Are y'all just rocking like an exclusive coat of head and shoulders on the noggin, or like what are you doing to get the dandruff off? Do bald people get dandruff? <laughs> or like even like slightly bald people? Like, and I mean no offense to this, but like you know Hayes has like the peach fuzz on top. Like, yeah. Do those people get dandruff, or if like if you're rocking the Adam Gold, like the Mister Clean, do they get dandruff? Like, I I just I generally don't know how it works because I would think you would be able to get dry skin, maybe even more so. With no hair protecting you from like the wind. Yeah, and stuff. but now that you mention it, I, like, have you ever met a bald person that's got like an ashy with a crusty exterior? head? No, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. All Dry scalp and... is really common, according to New York Magazine, on a simple Google search here that says dandruff does exist among bald people, just not as common, of course, as people who do have hair. Because if it, if I was like, I hope to if, never test that theory because now i'm imagining i love my hair i think people know that um i'm gonna freak out if i ever TV start to guy. go bald but like do you moisturize if you're like like shaved if you're down, bald all the way down or bald all the way down because they're different but like do you moisturize just in the same way that like you know i, I had some lotion like on my elbows and knuckles this morning just to make sure th- those don't crack. I don't know that you do the same thing if it's your head. We've got to ask Gold. I feel like he'll know. Darren Vaught, what's your unusual question? Uh, lotto scratch-off tickets. Is that a normal Christmas, like a stocking stuffer? I think only in the south. Is that something in your world? That sounds right. Okay. Not but normal like, for you... our family, no. Okay, all right. But that so, sounds right. I don't think... I think that's a pretty good stocking stuffer. How, how, how could you not enjoy... The experience of scratching things off and seeing if you won some money. Well, and that's the, that's just it too. In the Vaught household, at my parents in Virginia, um, it's it's like tradition. Every stocking is has got like five or six lotto scratchers in it. So how'd you do this year? Every year, same I do every same as, as just as well as I do literally every year. I win like three or five dollars on one of them. Boom! But and again, it happened again. And I realized it this morning when I was unpacking my bag to repack it for this High Point trip because I just got back last night from Virginia. Every single year, because my parents live in Virginia, it's a different lottery system, I get 3 to $5 as a winner on one of those. And I'm like, oh, cool, on my way out and back home, I got to get gas. I'll stop somewhere and cash it out. And I didn't cash it out. Oh. So I've got this $5... <laughs> A $5 lottery ticket just sitting in the dashboard of my car for whenever I get across the state line and into Virginia again. It's irresponsible, in my opinion. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, I mean, 
It happens every, every year, man. I just like... It's awful. A couple years ago, they just went wasted. I won probably like close to 10 bucks maybe on them, and they just sat in my car until a year later. And by that point, you look at the date and stuff, and it's, okay, I can't cash this out anymore. How unusual is this, Robert? Uh, not too unusual. I get a I get a couple scratchers every year in my stocking. Uh, with my girlfriend, her grandparents buy her like Every kid gets a hundred dollars worth of five dollar scratch off. So twenty, whoa, twenty scratchers. Uh, Cheyenne won like one hundred twenty five bucks on Love hers, that. right? I mean, if in my opinion, if you're going to play the scratchers, you need to go higher quantity. Yeah. You got to put some more money into it to get your variables up. You know what I mean? Like with the more cards, you have a better chance of winning. But with that being said. I don't think I've ever won an absorbent amount of money. I have a friend who won a thousand dollars off a of scratch off, right? That that's like that's shake your head money. Like you, you're ridiculous for even thinking. I just that did you, the dude who's like taken aback and uh, he does the hard blink. Whoa. That that meme. You yeah, know? Just, that's what I just did. And that's what I would be doing. That. If I ever won a thousand dollars off a of scratch off, I'd never play again. I would never buy another ticket, and that I would just go up on the house. I think one of my brothers got fifty dollars one time. And that was like yeah, that, the biggest Christmas ever. You we were won like, Christmas. it's been worth it all these years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lifetime winnings, negative <laughs> $1,000. How can people listen to you the next two games? Uh, it's going to be a link, a MixLR link, because we don't have traditional radio broadcasts on the road. Um, so for both games, Michigan State and Kentucky, I'll be solo doing it radio style, using my air quotes. I don't know the exact link, but at HPUMBB, we'll tweet that out. Um, they'll also put it in the the game pregame preview story on, on highpointpanthers.com. Darren has a charter to catch. Thanks for popping in studio. It's always good to see you. Happy New Year as well, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks. Same to you guys. He didn't finish high school. You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. I don't have much to add on the breaking news of the day that NC State's going to be unable to play UCLA because UCLA had COVID issues crop up in the defensive line room that decimated that unit. Dave Doran, I will add some of the quotes I'm reading now as he spoke with the media in the last 30 minutes. He said, quote, I felt lied to, to be honest. I don't want this to diminish what happened this year. Uh, Boo Corrigan said there's a very limited window figuring to find another opponent, another destination to play a game. It seems like this is how... NC State's football season is going to end, which is just a really tough way to go out. So rather than continue to dwell on that, Brian Geisinger joins us from accsports.com. Brian and myself do ACC rankings that you can find each week on the site up today at accsports.com. You could read that. BG, last week when I was at Cameron and Duke was trailing in the game by eight and decided Mark Williams in this lineup just isn't working out. We need to bring A.J. Griffin in the game. I thought of you because before the season started, very early on in the season even, you said on this show, I am fascinated to see what Duke looks like when Paulo Boncaro is playing at center. And when Duke went to this lineup, they went on a 29-7 to run that essentially won them that game. Afterwards, Coach K dubbed it 
the good ball handling lineup. We might need a better name than that. BG, after watching the game back, finally getting a chance to see what Duke looks like when they lean on this group, what impressed you about what Coach K called the good ball handling lineup? Yeah, we may need uh, Robert to get on a name for that lineup. I think he's better with the uh, the creative names than, uh, <laughs> than Coach K. But, no, I mean, look, we look. everyone wants to do some variation of the death lineup after Golden State, you know, first invented that a couple of years ago with their killer small ball lineup and Draymond Green, that center. Um, this is the same concept, but, look, we can't use that name for all, every good small ball lineup. But, no, I'm fascinated by this group because – while Duke's most talented lineup is certainly the one that has Mark Williams, right? I mean, he's a first round draft pick most likely or early second round. And it's a guy that's going to be a center in the NBA for a long, long time. And when you play Williams, Bancaro, Roach, Keels, and Wendell Moore Jr., you have five first round picks in that lineup. But when you take Mark Williams off and you put, you make sure you keep Jeremy Roach on, you put AJ Griffin in. Well, now all of a sudden you have so much shooting perimeter talent, slashing passing and the ability to switch one through five defensively if you'd like to do that so you keep the ball in front of yourself on that end of the court defensively and offensively look duke wasn't doing anything too creative when they went small they just spaced out around paolo bencaro let him go to work and he started mashing keve aluma mashing justin mutz in the post aj griffin's blowing by justin mutz who by the way like maybe the best defender, individual defender in the ACC. A.J. Griffin's just flying by him. Um, looks like a new guy, you know, Griffin, since he got back. But that lineup, we've been banging on the drum for it all season. Uh, Duke, plus 30 points, has outscored its opponents by 30 points with Keels, Moore, Griffin, Bancaro, and Roach on the court together. Outscored opponents by 30 points in 28 minutes this season. 16 of those minutes coming against Virginia Tech. They outscored the Hokies by 20 points with that lineup on the court. Wow. Um, it has all the, it has a lot of different answers. I mean, you lose Williams, so you lose some of the rim protection and you lose some of your defensive upside, but man, offensively it's incredible. And you've got, again, you put a guy, you bring a guy like AJ Griffin off the bench. And I'm not sure if people like quite realize this with Griffin. This is a guy who if AJ Griffin's right. If he's healthy, this guy's a top five pick in the NBA draft. Like, he's, he's that kind of talent. He's that kind of prospect. He's in the same category as Ben Caro, who's in discussions for the number one pick right now. He's that good. This guy's not just some normal five-star that you're waiting to get healthy. This guy is, like, one of the most talented wings in the country. Um, and so he unlocks a lot of stuff for them. He's the key to all of this. And if he's healthy, then Duke is as dangerous, if not more dangerous, than any team in the country. Still hoping we could see Duke this week with adjusted COVID protocol. They're not going to play at Clemson tomorrow, but there's a chance they could play at South Bend at the end of the week. So this lineup we're talking about of Wendell Moore, Jeremy Roach, Trevor Keels, uh, A.J. Griffin, Paolo Boncaro, do you believe that to be Duke's best lineup? And without the rim protection of Mark Williams, could you see situations where they close games with that group? Yes, I can absolutely see situations where they close games with that group. We talk about this in basketball all the time, right? Like, especially in the NBA, and the later the game gets, the closer it gets, the more likely teams are to downsize, right? Just like the average height of a lineup gets smaller. You put more shooting, more passing on the court, and you, you emphasize offense. Um, is this Duke's best lineup? It's tough to say because Williams is so He's a really great player. Like, he really is. And he's an, an elite rim protector, and he can do a lot of stuff with pick-and-roll defense. 
I do think it's their best offensive lineup. Um, although I would like to see more of Wendell Moore Jr., Trevor Keels, Ben Caro, A.J. Griffin, and Mark Williams. Like, that's a five we haven't seen much of. That might be Duke's best five. But in terms of maximizing out on spacing, on shooting, on good ball handling, on passing, on playmaking, yes, hands down, this is Duke's best lineup. Baker gives them another guy that they can do some small ball stuff with, but that's the lineup. That's it. And, um, and yeah, like that, if they're going to win a title, that lineup has to be a force for them throughout the course of the season and into the NCAA tournament. Brian Geisinger with us here. Follow him on Twitter at bguys underscore bird from accsports.com. You could read his stuff there. Now let's uh, transition to the NBA where Robert has something cooked up for both of us in Out Precise the Geis. Brian Geisinger is a basketball genius. Josh Graham uh, is not. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. Listen as Brian launches half-court shots and Josh, well, double dribbles all over himself. And there's nothing you can do about it. Get off the bench and try to out-precise the guys. And I don't want to get you guys too excited, but I think I came up with a name for this lineup. Uh, I'm fully aware that I'm not going to get credit for this as big as Duke is, but I think this lineup should be called the Daisy Dukes because it's shorter shorter than it needs to be, and you're wondering what's in the back pocket, right? Uh, I like it. I like it. No, this is good. We're totally going to steal that. I'll give you credit, though. I will give you credit. Uh, On the spot, man. We'll throw that. As usual. We'll throw that out to the masses and see what (laughs) – What what comes back with it? The Daisy Dukes lineup. That's great. I I do what I can. Uh, And also, talking about coming up with weird names, this game right here is probably the most scattered, out-precise the guys we've ever done. (laughs) I've got the stats that you just, you wouldn't know. I'm trying to even the playing field for Josh here. There's no numerical science behind this, and we're going to see what Geis is made of here. So starting off, this already weird NBA season keeps getting weirder as COVID has taken a toll on a lot of teams. Uh, The Timberwolves being one of them as they signed Greg Monroe. And as he played in the NBA, that set a new record (laughs) for the most players to log a minute in the NBA. How many unique players have played a singular minute in the NBA this year? I don't even know where to begin on a number. By the way, welcome back, uh, uh, Greg Monroe, the Moose. Right? I love it. I love it. Amazing. Um, It's been three years. Didn't I see Cat Barber? It's going to be playing minutes. For the, well, you see, signed with the Hawks. Yeah. Um, It it is kind of amazing that they're actually counting, like, these games towards the regular. (laughs) It's just, it's insane. Like, literally, the guidelines and the protocols are changing on the fly. Um, and now the Hornets are dealing with more of this now with PJ Washington and Miles Bridges in the protocol. Um, all right, I'm gonna say I've got a. I'm gonna go 600, 600 players. I went really low. I went God five seventy seven, five seventy seven. I've written down. Well, that's not really low. You're right on par with him, yeah. and you would be closer than BG because it's five hundred and forty one right. unique Damn. players to log a minute this year. Which, which is kind of ridiculous. We're not even at the halfway yeah. point, and we've broken yeah. a record for most unique players. Like, that that blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. I mean, you think about it. There's On a given year, there's about 450 NBA players, right? 30 teams, 15 players, not including two-way guys. 
um and yeah you've already got you know like 30 percent of that more who's your <laughs> favorite been... random guy that you loved watching in college that you've seen in an nba game and you thought no way this guy's in the game oh man um god well what's it for for houston there was a, a trevlin queen sighting against the hornets <laughs> last night from uh from out of new mexico yeah yeah and uh i liked him as a draft prospect and it was we played pretty well against charlie i mean he's he's out there to chuck but uh chuck he did last night he had, a, he had, a, he had a nice little scoring game against the hornets so yeah let's go with the trevlin queen uh, reference great pull what's next Traveling Queen is not going to be in the MVP conversation, but no, Nikolai not. Jokic <laughs> is having another MVP season. And I don't think we talk about this guy enough. Uh, so in the last two games he's had, he's scored 55 points. Uh, how many rebounds does he have? And I'll give you guys a fun little stat after and you pick this how up. How many rebounds in how many the games? The last two games. Last, last two. two games he scored 55 points. How many rebounds does he have in those two games? So last two games, rebounds for uh, for Jokic, correct? Yep, you That's got what it. You're asking here. You got it. Yeah. Oh got man. Down here. Um, crap. Uh, let's go with um, let's go with uh, forty-one. I got thirty-nine. All right, he's the first player with back-to-back. 25 point, 20 uh, rebounds, uh, and five assist game since yes. Barkley did it in 1988. He has 43 yeah. rebounds in the last two games. Uh, the dude is a rebounding man. machine. And do you is think it, he could put it together and become an MVP uh, this year? It's hard to do I that think, back-to-back years. I think we're – I mean, Steph Curry did it a couple years ago, but it does not happen often. And, yes, like, to your point about all this, like, I don't think he's going to get it because it feels like – you know, to an extent, narratives matter in this, and it feels like everybody's decided it's going to be Steph or KD, but or, or maybe Giannis. But like, dude, Jokic is right there. He's been amazing, and I'm telling you, they keep they keep like keeping like Denver keeps their head above water. But have you seen some of the lineups they're trotting out without Jamal Murray and with some of these guys in the protocol? Like the Hornets played there a couple nights ago. I'm telling you, Jokic grabbing rebounds, leading the break, and then the one finishing the possession. He looks like Garnett doing some, like, you know, Timberwolves stuff, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It's insane. Um, and, yes, he should be in the conversation for MVP. Um, I don't know why we he often gets – like, he's one of the best five players in the world. He's that good. And we need to – we probably need to do a better job hammering that point home because he's that excellent of a player. It comes player. down – it comes down to this. BG has one. I have one. Closing out 2021, can I get a win? I think I've maybe won this game twice in this calendar year. Can we get a win here? Let's find out. Super fun rookie class this year. I think the rookies have played really well, better better than they have in years prior. And one of my favorite rookies this year is Josh Giddy. He Mm. has six double-doubles on the season. Uh, His latest against the Pelicans saw him grab 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and no points. Uh, that's something that hasn't happened since 1971 with Norm Van Leer. I don't know if I even said his Man. name right. That's been that far back. Uh, in his six double doubles this year, how many points has he scored? Six double doubles. So really, you you know you can go yeah. off five because he scored yeah. zero in this one. Uh huh. Love love Josh Giddy, um, the Aussie. Looks like he should be in a boy band. Yeah. Like, got, great, got got some of the best hair in the NBA. 
Uh, and he's out here just doing young Rubio or young Steve Nash things. It's awesome. I really like him. And it's important to remember the Thunder are more like performance art than they are basketball team uh, right now. <laughs> That's so, a good way to put it. Yeah. So what he did was fitting. Um, I will say... Uh, I'll say 75 combined points in those double-doubles. I've got 84 written down. Game one of his double-double, 18. Game two, 14. Game three, 14. Game four, 18. Uh Game five, 19. Uh That is good for 73 points. No! (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) I thought BJ was doing the math correctly in his head. He Uh wasn't. Oh, that's Uh terrible. So I've lost this game. Just like, well, at least I played. NC State wasn't able to play today. And BG, on the way out, I'm just reading some of these quotes from Dave Doran. It's devastating stuff here. Doran is saying that he just told reporters in San Diego that nobody knew UCLA was having COVID issues. He said they had no clue they were up against it until they were told. This is a direct quote, according to Andrea Adelson's Twitter. I thought it was fake news. Our team's done everything right. We had 100% of our team vaccinated. We were prepared to play a lot. Went into the finish of the season in a 10th win. We would have won the game the way our guys prepared. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's This is, I mean, this is like the way this is being handled by the NCAA and the leadership there, like, is a joke. Like, it's a joke. I mean, you obviously you feel bad for any player that tested positive for COVID you want, most importantly, you want everyone to be healthy and safe, but like the way this is playing out with these bowl games getting canceled and and some of this stuff happening, you know, four to five hours before the kickoff after state just spent the entire holiday, you know, away from their family cross country. It's like, I mean, it's the latest example, but another one of these is going to pop up again. And like, it's just, it's unfortunate. It's sad, but this is a joke. And the lack of leadership from the NCAA, from the top down, from the conferences, like Jim Phillips and Mark Emmert and everyone else, like it's a joke. Um, and it's a, it's a real shame for the players and, and, and the coaches and everyone else that's associated with these teams, trainers, media, um, interns. It, it's not fair um, to, to anyone. And I know it's part of trying to do something like this during the middle of a pandemic. Like that's the reality, but it's just, it's, it's, it really rubs me the wrong way, and, um, and I feel for everyone that, that got cheated out of this. This also might be the second most expensive bowl game to travel to. You have the Hawaii Bowl, but I know yeah. so many people that did not go because of how expensive it was. So the folks that did travel with media, as fans, talking about family. Heck, I'm looking at NC State. That's not going to get recouped for this money flying three different flights out that way, two for the team and one for the band, that you're not going to get that money back either. And that that's another piece of the reality of this. You're right. Things need to be handled better at the top. They really do. But at the same time, it hurts because NC State didn't do anything wrong. And it seems yeah. like UCLA, yeah. uh, with, with, many of the, with many of the different protocols out there, it doesn't seem like un, uh, that vaccinated players were tested in the last 24 hours. It seems that unvaccinated players were. NC State didn't have any of those. So it's, it's ironic that NC State learned this lesson from the baseball team not being vaccinated. And now, even though they are fully vaccinated, they, they're still the one that, pay, that pays the price here for doing nothing wrong. 
Yeah, I mean, again, it all you can ask state to do is exactly what they did. Like, if we're going to expect people to play sports and to play them at a high level and to have and to travel and to do all these things that are risky in the middle of a pandemic, all you can ask them to do is is to is to be vaccinated and to be as cautious and as they possibly can. And that's clearly like what state did all season. And and the the attention to detail, the dedication to do that through. The, you know, if you celebrate Christmas, you know, being away from your family, not getting to be a part of that, like, man, that it's hard. And then to just not be able to play is just, yeah, it's a bummer. And I can't believe you've got, you know, like the photos of like Chip Kelly and Dave Doran, like hanging out and doing media availability, like it looks ridiculous now. Right. Like, what was the point of any of this? Um, we have so, another yeah. update too. a lot of people are suggesting that ECU should play NC State. Boo Corrigan said in the last 30 minutes that the two sides have not spoken. Now there's an update, according to Fred Demarest of State, one of the chief executives over there, uh, that uh, they have spoken and it will not be an option. Yeah, they they open against each other next year, right? They do. Why? Yeah, makes yeah. I mean, it would be fun. It's a nice answer, but I like it's like a thank you but no thank you kind of thing. BG. Yeah. I appreciate you spending the time and everything you've done for us in the calendar year 2021. Look forward to chatting with you in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Good talking with you guys. Uh, You guys be good. Have a, have a safe and and happy new year and yeah, good health to uh, everyone listening to this to stay safe.